Welcome to a very special episode of Entertainment Geekly. Usually we talk about all things sci-fi, fantasy, and awesome. This week we're talking about one especially awesome sci-fi, fantasy, God knows what it is TV show. This is a Big Brother edition of Entertainment Geekly. I'm Darren Franich. With me, as always, fellow Big Brother obsessive, EW's Jeff Jensen. Uh, Hello, Darren. And just to clarify, Big Brother, we are, of course, speaking of... Um, uh, George Orwell's uh, Big Brother from 1984. This, this is this, this is, is the true to its sci-fi dystopian fantasy, all sorts of roots. Uh, that's what we're talking about. Today, that's right? what we're talking about. Yes, this is this is the Big Brother fan club where we talk all about our beloved leader who watches us all of the time uh, and is and is a clear stand-in for uh, Joseph Stalin or whatever. I actually haven't read 1984 in years, but Jeff, you know what I do frequently nowadays? I watch Big Brother, the CBS series. About uh, yes, yes, it's 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 a TV show on CBS, which is a network. I found out um, about uh, several people being trapped inside of a house for the summer together. Uh, Jeff, we've talked about this on the show before. Uh, you were a longtime obsessive. I am a more recent obsessive. We were both obsessing over it this year in particular. There's a lot of chatter about Big Brother on on the internet, on the interwebs, in the ether. Big brother is there uh, for reasons that you know are are, are are sort of interesting we'll discuss them a little bit later there's been a lot of controversy about some of the terrible things the terrible people have said this season um, but I, I I do think that first and foremost as someone who has watched the show and liked it I really feel like this season has already set itself up in a really interesting way. I think there's a lot of interesting personalities at play. I think there's a lot of interesting people. And, and first and foremost, I, I wanted to, uh, to get your opinion about something. You know, one thing that immediately sets this season apart is that there's just more people than usual. I mean, this year, I, I think CBS really went whole hog with it. This is the longest season ever. I believe total it'll, it'll run for 100 days. You know, it, 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 it took Franklin Delano Roosevelt... 100 days to make America, and it'll take uh, the Big Brother house 100 days to uh, bring it shattering down. Uh, but but I, I feel like just the fact that, that there's a much larger cast this season, I already get the sense that there are different factions inside of the house, more than there usually are one week in. I, I don't know, like, do you think is the bigger cast changing things around at all inside of the house? Well, there definitely seems to be, there's definitely a, a, a faction, a really strong alliance to start out. I I, you know, as I've kind of said before, seasons of Big Brother tend to evaporate from my head almost instantly after they're over. So I'm not the best Big Brother historian. So I can't remember if this is a common occurrence or not that we see like a really strong organized alliance established from almost day one and try to impose its will on the House. So the moving company, if you will, is that what they're called? The that's that's what they're called. The moving company. That's uh, this uh, the, the, the the super alliance of 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 bad boys, if you will. Uh, yeah. Well, 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 why don't we why don't we map it out quickly? You know, you know, just in case there are any listeners out there who haven't seen Big Brother and didn't immediately turn off this podcast about one minute in. Let's let's talk about who's in the moving company right now. You have these five guys in the house. There's Jeremy. This sort of big dude who talks a lot about his Cherokee ancestry uh, really carries himself like you know the big man on campus. But then you have uh, you know uh, 
you have Howard, who's also just like made of muscle, real kind of alpha male types. Then you get, though, uh, Nick, who's a very interesting character, who seems very savvy. You know, he, he, he sort of looks like... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to place him. He looks like the sort of devious guy in an 80s high school, uh, you know, teen comedy who's maybe like, uh, you know, angling for the top slot on the swim team or something like that. It's kind of like a cross between Adam Scott from Parks and Rec and Andrew McCarthy a little bit. Maybe. That's 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 perfect. He, he really is sort of evil Adam Scott right now, right now, which may be why I'm, in, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying him so much. Those three formed up with... Spencer, who has a beard, is a train conductor, and seems like he's he's kind of a very behind-the-scenes player so far, but there's a lot of intelligence going on there. The last member in, in the chain was McCray, uh, who is a pizza delivery boy, age uncertain, could be 22, could be 42, looks a lot like Otto from The Simpsons. Um, so those those five guys are in an alliance that seems like they're, they're sort of kind of running things right now, which is sort of interesting. And they're running things in a really interesting way, and this is one of the things that I do love about uh, Big Brother maybe the most, is sort of the gameplay and, for better or worse, the, the manipulation of people to do the will of others. So one of the things that the moving company does is that they definitely have they're they're aligned and ultimately loyal to each other but they seem to sort of be forming these sort of like faux shadow alliances each each of them individually with other people they kind of latch on to one other person usually right now a a, a female either because they are ugly male predators or because they're just not many other men <laughs> and um and they sort of are, uh, are, 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 are bonding with them and, and using them to some degree to, uh, to, to sort of further the, the will of the moving company without, without the women knowing it. So last night or two nights ago, um, I forget now they all, now the days blur together now, but I, I, one of the most intriguing little um, game moves that we found out um, was, that, was that Spencer – um, is um, using uh, a- another uh, contestant. I think her name is Candace. Yes, exactly. So Candace, and I-, I thought this was a really devious move that he did, is that they were trying to get um, one of these guys, uh, another guy, another strong competitor that was not part of the moving company alliance. His name is Dave. He was His name is Dave, and yes. he's no longer in the house. But they want to get him out of the house, but they don't want other people in the know, uh, in the house to know that they basically were, were, were moving against Dave. So Spencer tells Candace that he's actually voting for Alyssa. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he's, he's telling her that everyone is, is voting for Alyssa, correct? Yes, exactly right. And so, um, uh, and I thought this was really devious on his part because basically what he was trying to do was cover his own tracks. Yep. He didn't want people to know that he was really going to be voting for Dave or David. And uh, and so when it when you know the when the proverbial crap hits the fan after David is voted out and his uh, his showmance with Aaron. Uh, Aaron kind of goes ballistic in the house and conducts this witch hunt. Who voted David out? 
well, Spencer's got this devious alibi because yes. Candace is saying, well, hey, Spencer voted for Alyssa. It is, it's interesting because to me what makes it so interesting also is it's not like Spencer is closely allied with Candace either. It really right. feels to me a little bit like he picked one person in the House who isn't really that close to him, but you know they're also on speaking terms, and he kind of used her as an alibi without her even realizing it. The irony being that Candace actually uh, voted... She she did not vote to kick out David. She voted to kick out Alyssa, but she actually wound up being one of the people blamed for sending David home. Right. So it, it, it's really, you know, there's uh, there's a word that Spencer keeps on tossing around, which is weaponize. And it really seems like the moving company, or, or at least Spencer and Nick, who I, I think right now are kind of the brains of that alliance, they seem very conscious in a way that good Big Brother contestants are, that everyone in the house can be used for something. It's 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 yeah. it's, it's, it's this very devious thing where you aren't just planning who do you want to kick out. You're planning, you know, how can I use this person who otherwise is maybe not contributing that much for my own sort of evil ends, which, which has been really interesting to see. Now, it, it, it is. It does feel evil. I mean, like like that's the thing about the moving company, and maybe it's just because this whole season has been so charged from the get go with a with controversy, which we'll get to in a minute, but. Now, we've seen real jerk Machiavellian, like, you know, puppet master guys before, um, you know, Will and Boogie, like, come to mind. But there was something so almost gleefully campy about their version of, of running the house and voting people out and taking out enemies. These guys from the get-go, you know, because most of them are, are loathsome yes. for reasons we'll get to. Yes. But like there, there is this undercurrent of almost, you know, of Man of Steel-esque sociopathy, if you will, Darren. I, um, I certainly will, Jeff. I certainly will. <laughs> like, like Nick in particular, like, you know, we joke by likening him to Adam Scott, but this guy's this guy's bad news. Like well, I don't I don't well, like him. And don't you think too though? I, mean, I, tur- I I turned on him. I knew that he was like, oh, he's he's despicable. When after David got voted out, and David is like watching the video screen with all the goodbye messages from each of you know the the the, the, the Big Brother uh, you know contestants. You know, in the clip from Nick, Nick basically kind of like brags to David that hey, you're the first victim of of, of the moving company. Yeah. Um, but on top of all of that, he kind of throws Nick throws one of his own guys under the bus, mm-hmm. Jeremy, mm-hmm. Um, by kind of saying, "Hey, by, and because David had somewhat of an okay relationship with um, with David had uh, somewhat of an okay relationship with Jeremy, and so Nick couldn't help but gleefully tell him, "Your buddy Jeremy, he's one of us too." You know? Yeah. Like, there's something about that is like he's. He's just, he's just, ugh. Well, well and, and, and don't you feel like, too, you know, it's funny, just like something you were saying about the kind of campiness of earlier Big Brother villains versus these guys, you know, the, 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 it's often been remarked upon that in the short history of reality TV, you know, the people who watch reality TV who then go on a later version of it, they always learn from it. And so, like, you know, on the first season of Survivor, there was one alliance. On the second season, day one, everyone is saying, yo, we need an alliance now, we need this, we need this. These sort of new Big Brother 
contestants, many of them are so uncannily savvy. I, I, I really believe that certainly Nick and Spencer seem like people who are just always on 24-7, always scheming. It feels to me like we've gone in very short order from the villains in the Adam West Batman series to the villains in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, you know? Like, it's, it, it's that level of villainy that's just upshifted so quickly that I find very interesting. But now, now by the same token, I, I want to talk about someone else in the house who's been really interesting in that context. Uh, this season, you know, CBS always... CBS is on this interesting kick now where when they don't just bring back uh, beloved earlier contestants, they'll try to bring back their family members. They, they did this trick to very mixed, uh, mixed response with uh, the Hans family over on Survivor. And actually, they brought one of the Hanses onto Big Brother. This year, they brought in Alyssa, who is Rachel Riley's sister. Um, Rachel Riley, of course, uh, one of my, in, in my four years of watching Big Brother, she's probably my favorite contestant. She's someone who was very extreme, was very much kind of in that class of you love to hate her, but then ultimately you kind of just love to love her. She really did sort of manage to, she had an inspirational journey throughout her two seasons. She seems to have actually fallen in love with her showmance. So her sister comes in. And right off the bat, her makes this strange decision not to tell anyone that she is Rachel's sister, even though she looks so much like her that, I, for all I know, she's had plastic surgery to look more like her sister. Maybe that's unfair, but I don't put anything past Big Brother contestants. Now, because of the new twist in the game, she got a lot of power in week one. And the new twist is, in addition to the two contestants that are nominated each week to go home by the head of household, each week, America votes for an MVP, that MVP then gets to make the third, uh, the third nomination. Now, Alyssa won that m mainly off of name recognition. And of course, you know, on one hand, I was kind of like, well, this is ridiculous. Of course she wins. People know her. On the other hand, you know, I, 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 kind, of, I, I kind of, you know, made this joke to people like, you know, hey, it's, it's America. Name recognition definitely gets you further. So, you know, the interesting thing is that in within the house, in the span of about a week and a half, she's really become a, a, a real underdog. And it, as as that's happened, I find myself liking her more and more. I mean, I, one of the interesting things about Big Brother is it's always about these power dynamics, and it's surprising how it, it's very easy when someone immediately becomes the sort of underdog. How you kind of find yourself rooting for them just because it's like God, like I need somebody to root for in this house. Right. You know, I I completely agree with you i was not a big fan of the Alyssa twist i you know R rachel's i i under, you know uh, i have mixed feelings about rachel i find that when i actually watch rachel on a reality show i actually don't enjoy her but <laughs> I, I i actually but i do understand that she's a character and like in every sense of the word and um and we love characters like in, in reality tv um, so the idea that they're going to plant her in the house, uh, the sister in the house, is like, uh, do we have to go to the Rachel well? Yes, like, yes. Know, um, I find mixed feelings about that. Um, like she played a really dumb game from the start. I don't know if this was a decision or if this was encouraged upon her, but to not tell anyone that she was Rachel's sister, like it, it was, it was such a boneheaded move, unless, unless you were going to use it to your advantage, which would have been just sort of like, yeah, not tell anyone, but then 
but then wait, wait several days and then start telling everyone, maybe in mass, to kind of position yourself as a trustworthy person or like, hey, like, you know, like I think you could have played that pretty cleverly on how to reveal a secret in order to earn trust. And ultimately she did, but with but not before putting herself in a great deal of peril because everyone figured it out very quickly on because of the physical resemblance. Mm -hmm. And they became very suspicious of her. Like, why is she not telling anyone? Does she think that she's getting away from it? All of these people are, think, the worst of people in general. So, like, um, this cast in particular. So, um, like, looking at Alyssa, they just were just immediately suspicious. So yeah, it was a huge blunder on her part. She made herself vulnerable. She got put up, but then she did something incredibly savvy, which turned her game around. Which is she she, she admitted first of all who she was, but then she won MVP, which made did make me mad because it was like she's only winning this because of her celebrity or or the you know celebrity by proxy, if you will, um, because of her sister. But she made a really great move in retrospect, putting up David for nomination, Mm -hmm. which made people mad at first. But, like, everyone just started thinking about it and was like, hey, David would be a better guy to get off this show quickly than Alyssa. We could deal with Alyssa later. And that strategy always backfires on people. Mm -hmm. Um, when, When you say we are going to sort of, like, wait to get rid of some kind of threat, we're going to save that for later. Um, it, it, it may work ultimately, but it will ultimately backfire, well, and, and backfire on you a couple times before then. They got rid of David. She's she's surviving, and she's winning people over. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I wanted to, to ask you this, too. What I think is very interesting about Alyssa's position in the House right now is that there are a lot of different people, many of them uh, representing different sort of mini, mini factions in the House, who are all talking about how they can use her. You know, you had Amanda, who is sort of uh, becoming a real voice on one side of the House, saying, you know, it's best to keep Alyssa around she's going to be winning mvp you know if if we can kind of you know get in close with her then that'll be good plus you know we know everyone hates her so we can get her out later on spencer sort of made the point that you know if we in the moving company can cozy up to her then feasibly we'll control all three nominations each week you know the the funny thing is though they're all kind of treating her like this force that's just there that you know they can sort of use in their own way but then ultimately discard Card. And I, I gotta say, I, I think it's putting her in a very good position where I think people, on one hand, they're underrating the fact that the more they sort of, you know, the, the longer she spends in the have-not room, the more likable she becomes just kind of by nature. But also, I, I think they're sort of, they're, they're really giving her space to really increase her power in the house on her own. You know, like, right now she might kind of seem like a loner, but you get the sense that, you know, it wouldn't take much for her to kind of unite some of the other people in the house, if, if she could. So I, I think you're right. I, I think that there are people who think they'll be able to handle her later who might be making a serious mistake right now. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, like, she's... It's funny how she's, like, won us over from, like, oh, man, really? They cast her? Yep. To, like, 
I don't want to see her go well, far in the game. Well, and, and but to be honest though, Jeff, this is why you know uh, to people who have never seen Big Brother before, I always tell them the way to get into it is just watch the first four episodes, watch an entire run of someone winning HOH, you know, people being nominated, someone going home, and someone else winning. Because what always strikes me is that you know the first episode of every season of Big Brother, you meet all these people, and it's literally you know the introductions are right out of the reality TV character packaging handbook. You know, where are they from? Ooh, she's from Staten Island. Let's talk about Staten Island stereotypes for a while. Oh, this person's in a rock and roll band? Well, she's a rock and roller. And what always intrigues me is that on Big Brother, very often, by the start of the second week, you know, maybe it's just because they've been in the house, kind of removed from, you know, civilization for a while. Certainly it's because the power dynamics have already shifted. You really start getting, I'm not sure if it's a deeper sense of these people, but certainly a different sense of them, you know, like, like, like Alyssa is someone who, to me, has gone from being like, ah, this person who was only brought on because of her sister, to, okay, like, in, in the house, you know, as crazy and out there as she is, she's actually one of the, one of, one of the less hateable slash more likable people in there this year, and I, I think that that's something the show achieves almost by accident, to be honest. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure there's anyone at the controls that is really purposefully trying to penetrate that much deeper into these people's personalities. <laughs> we, we, we should talk, Jeff. We've, we've mapped out a couple of key figures. There is one person that we need to get to. Now, Aaron, uh, name spelled with two A's and, and a Y. Um, uh, she is 22 years old. I believe she's a college student. I think it's fair to say, Jeff, that she is... Uh, she's one of the more attractive human beings um, to to have ever been human. I, 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 you know, like she she really has the look of someone who is right about to go off onto her first ever music video. You know, she's very young, she's very adorable, she's blue eyed, she's clearly descended from you know uh, Norse mountain people or something like that. She uh, in the first week. Uh, got her, got herself into a showmance with David, who was a lifeguard who d- didn't have that many brain. Let's let's just say that like uh, smartness wasn't his, uh, his his good thing. That was the stupidest. That was the stupidest way to possibly say that he wasn't that smart. Is, is is what I'm getting at here. So they had a little thing going. David gets kicked out. Uh, she is totally blindsided by this, and she immediately, immediately goes on a rampage. She wins head of household. Her first act as head of household, as you pointed out, was to uh, decide who would be a have-not for the week. This means, you know, who's who's going to be sleeping in pr- the worst have-not room in Big Brother history that is designed to look like the coach section of an airplane. She asks, who voted David out? Right off the bat, witch hunt, she's on, you know, she, she's going to get everybody. Nobody says anything. So she immediately, I mean, she basically hands have not, mostly to people who had it the previous week, but one of them being her main enemy now, Alyssa. She's kind of decided that Alyssa was the ringleader in getting David out, which, you know, you, you, could, you could argue the point there. I mean, certainly, sh- certainly Alyssa was not the power monger that made that voting happen. And to put a fine point on it, and I don't know if you're coming to this point, but the other three people that she puts in the room are Helen, Candace, and the guy's name, his name is... Howard. Howard? Was it, was it Howard? Who was the other guy? Oh, who, who, 
who's the gay guy? Oh, 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 Andy, Andy, you're right. <laughs> That's how we know them, folks. This is this is this is this is still this is this is this is still early days for like like I'm actually looking at a cast list right now. Otherwise, I'd be referring to everyone by their hair color. But I I I what we're getting to though, Jeff, is the other sort of flip side of Aaron is that. On Sunday, CBS uh, finally decided to show footage that had made a lot of uh, ripples online. Uh, And this footage basically showed Aaron, I I think it's fair to say, insulting every single type of person who's not a white heterosexual person. I mean, you know... uh, Typically, like, gay people, Asians, and African Americans. In other words, Helen, Candace, and Andy. in, in the aftermath of this controversy, which we should obviously dig into, but to see her um, n- knowing that she's a racist and a bigot on all of these levels, put all of those, ostracize all of these people into the have-not room, like subtext suddenly explodes into text in this really kind of like uncomfortable way. In this uncomfortable way, and what makes it even crazier to me is that, uh, you know, the rest of that episode, you kind of saw um, almost kind of accidentally the Aaron crew, you know, kind of, coming together you know there's a real coalition um of you know kind of david vengeance that is spending time in her hoh room it's aaron it's gina marie it's uh caitlin jesse and jeremy essentially it's it's this weird like hot person brigade that's 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 uniformly uh you know uh, besides jeremy it's uniformly caucasian people which adds yet another weird subtext becoming text sort of vibe to all of this you know it really feels as if it's it's it, it, it's uncomfortable to watch in some ways but also really interesting to watch in some ways and the crazy thing is that you know as all this is happening aaron just keeps on having this sense that she's been wronged somehow. You know, she's you, you know, like like the house the house attacked her, and now she's gonna do it all for for David. And it just it, it's really it's fascinating to see how quickly this happened because you know again it's like hey Aaron you knew this guy for not that long and just the the crazy amount of anger pouring out of her when put right next to her saying racial slurs, uh, you know, like homophobic slurs you know, to people who are very often you know they seem to be sitting not that far away from her you know she's kind of whispering this and tittering like one of the mean girls in you know like uh, you know like, like like she's Bryce Dallas Howard in the help like it's just it's 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 adding a a troubling new kind of aspect to the show and, and you know Jeff you you wrote a whole kind of really interesting piece specifically about Aaron uh, on Sunday you know kind of talking about how you know th- there's such a history in reality TV shows of people you love to hate that's almost really maybe the defining archetype of reality television competition shows and reality television lifestyle shows these people who are so outrageous and so ridiculous and say what's on their mind and they're villainous but you know by golly you love them and it, it's interesting seeing this season how, you know, with Aaron and, you know, not not just Aaron, you know, we should point out that, uh, you know, there have been other people who've said racial slurs. Uh, Spencer, I, I believe, was saying something about how, it's, it's unclear, he basically, he was defending Hitler or he was saying that Hitler was a really good speaker or just, just something something where you're just like, dude, like, no, what, like, that is just, that is and the I worst. Think, I, think part of, I think part of his apology for Hitler was, yes, 
he was a, a really good leader, he was a really good speaker, and uh, he funded some scientific projects that yielded some good things for the, for, for, for the progress of humanity, and I would love to know what scientific projects he's referring to. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, it's just, it's, eugenics? Uh, what? <laughs> I mean, it's, just, it's just cool. I mean, it, it, it's, it's got like, talk about the forest for the trees here. It's just, it, it's astonishing. Now, now here's, here is what I wanted, here's, here's what I want to ask you, though, Jeff. I, you know, one thing about uh, about Big Brother that I have kind of noticed is, you know, it is a very constructed show in a lot of ways. The society they construct, even more so than, you know, on a show like The Amazing Race or Survivor, it feels like a very constructed version of reality. I mean, you know, th- there have been seasons when, you know, there's been maybe one non-white person on the show. Certainly, you know, this is a reality show that follows the rule established by the real world that, you know, there's always one single gay person. Maybe sometimes there's two. Very rare that there is. Certainly Big Brother, when you think about the cast, they tend to be very attractive, very young, very white. Typically, if there's anyone over the age of 35, they get kicked out almost immediately. So it basically feels, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, watching an extended frat party as a reality competition show. Now, what's interesting to me is, you know, as... As I've been recapping the show the last few years, very often in the comments, people will who watch the feeds will say, oh, such and such a person is getting a really nice edit from CBS. On the feeds, they have said this bad thing. And, you know, it's sometimes it's someone, somebody from the South has been saying a racial slur, something like that. This season, it's exploded so much on the feeds that CBS now feels the need to show it. And I, I find that I'm kind of of two minds about this. On one hand... I like it because I like the sense that we are seeing more of these people now. Like, as as vulgar as half the contestants in the house are, I'm glad that we're seeing that vulgarity, if, if, that, makes, if that makes any sense, you know? Like, I, I, I like this sense that perhaps accidentally Big Brother is trying to say now, like, hey, like, these people have more than two dimensions. You know, that really attractive blonde girl from the South? Yeah, it turns out she's a horrible, virulent racist and, and a bigot. I think that's interesting. On the other hand, I, I, I do... I, I, I find myself as this is all happening, also feeling like, God, like, I wish they'd just chosen better people. <laughs> you know, but, 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 but you know, like, you kind of mentioned in your piece that, you know, Big Brother is not a work of journalism. You know, it, 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 it certainly isn't something that has any defined code of ethics. I, I don't know, what, what, what do you kind of feel about, you know, CBS's decision to show this, about Big Brother producers' decision to put these people on TV? Um... I feel the conflict that you feel. I mean, I think that you put it really well. I mean, I think that um, putting it on on television, first of all, um, showing uh, Erin in all of her ingloriousness and all of her ugliness, um, I think they have a responsibility to do that in the context of the game. You know, this season, um, the audience has, as we've noted before, has this ability to um, actually influence the direction of the game by uh, by voting for and uh, anointing one player each week, the MVP, the the player that we think is playing the best game. And by voting that person, the MVP, they get a power, a very important power. They get to put someone up for nomination um, and possibly get voted out. It's already saved Alyssa's life in, in, in the house. 
so the thing about it, though, is that Alyssa also reflects the weakness of, of not the weakness, but, uh, but the, the very realistic sort of like reality of this award. It's a, it's a popularity contest. We're not really voting for the person that we think is playing the best game. We're voting for the person that we like the best. And right now, the one that we know the best is the one that, you know, again, is, is, is Alyssa by just being related to one of the most popular players yep. in Big Brother history. So if we have this feature in the show that allows us to vote for someone, someone that we want to see advance in the game, I think that we have a right to know what kind of person they are because I don't want to see, like, you know, a, a racist, a bigot of any kind, kind of, like, walk away with this money. I, I, especially if I've, if I've voted for them in the past, right, mm -hmm. and then I find out, like, what kind of person they are, like, that, that I, I don't think that's very fair. So I think that that was a smart decision in the context of the game and the context of Big Brother to, like, kind of show these people warts and all. Also, I think that they, um, in the context of, of the show and the game, um, they have a story to tell. And look, they, obviously they are generating and capturing so much content every day. And part of the art, if you will, of producing a show of Big Brother is how are we going to turn all of this lived life that has been captured on camera and turn into any kind of story. And you got to, like, just cut out, right? Like yep. tons and tons and tons of stuff every day and focus on the important things. So, yeah, they, they do have this, like, okay, like, these racist comments. Well, you know, Big Brother has never hurt in its history for ugly personalities saying and doing ugly things, but what's relevant ultimately to the story that we have to tell? And, like, and so in the context of Sunday's episode, when we actually saw um, some of this stuff on screen, it, it felt a little arbitrary. It kind of felt a little bit like CBS has to acknowledge all of this. Yep. But they did it in the context of storytelling, and they filtered it through through Howard and kind of showing how this stuff was affecting him and affecting Helen and how this in turn may affect their their regards for their own alliance. Howard is part of the moving company, but I definitely get the sense that, you know, he might be uncomfortable with, with some of the things that they represent. I got to think he's uncomfortable with some of the things. Oh my God. I mean, I mean the, the whole sequence where he was sort of like, you know, he was sort of sitting there as Aaron was going around doing this, this, this awful, uh, you know, like Asian person imitation just went on and on and on. I mean, and like him just sort of sitting there and just looking visibly uncomfortable. And I think one thing he said was, you know, I, I can't call people out on this. This is a game, and, you know, I, I can't just start, you know, like, I can't call people out on being horrible, horrible people, because if I do that, maybe I have a target on my back. I, 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 right, but that, that's, that ends up coming, being the flaw on the flip side of all this, right? Sure he could. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like he could stand up and do the right thing. I mean, like, this is actually kind of a part of the game that we don't really – hear about much on the show anymore but i remember kind of earlier cast kind of talking openly about this idea and and, and they expressed it in such idealistic terms that you kind of roll your eyes at them right mm -hmm. but the idea is like you know they're on tv they have an opportunity to model some really interesting social behavior one of them could be calling racists out on their crap you know and um and kind of taking a stand and saying hey maybe five hundred thousand dollars isn't worth kind of promoting a lot of like awfulness to the culture um and that kind of like gets back to your other point the other the, the, the other thing that you said which i really resonate with which is that can't they cast just better people and look 
I'm not saying that these producers went out of their way to look for bigots. I'm sure that Erin didn't really advertise that when she kind of applied for the show. In fact, I think there's some story that maybe it was Erin or maybe it was another one of the contestants before she got into the house, like tweeted some kind of like very kind of like 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 idealistic sentiment kind of preaching kind of peace and brotherhood among all people. And mm-hmm. then she goes in the house. I don't know if, if that, I'm pretty sure that was her. And then, but, like, <laughs> um, but, but regardless, so she goes in the house and she's saying all these things. And, 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 and she's, you know, when she tried out for the show, I'm sure the producers recognized that Aaron represented a great archetype that is really good for the show. Of course. Extremely attractive, but she has this sort of like, obviously this mean girl vibe, this, um, you know, uh, um, they knew that she had a potential to be a villain on this show. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, Unfortunately, she really is a real-life villain, like even more so than probably they were counting on because she's expressing herself and and showing some real ugliness. And now we come to this interesting kind of like um, question, which is what is CBS's responsibility to this kind of stuff. You know, I, they, you know, when all of the controversy kind of blew up and the social media blew up and it caught attention to the, to the mainstream media that started reporting and, and taking everywhere that Big Brother has a bunch of racists living in the house, a bunch of misogynists and homophobes living in the house too. Like, it's like, you know, they issued this statement that said, you know, obviously these people don't reflect the opinions of the CBS company or the producers of, 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 um, of, of a big brother, as if that makes it okay, as mm-hmm. if they're not responsible then for the content they're putting out in the culture. Like I said in my essay, this is not a real science or sociolo- sociology experience. <laughs> yeah. This is not... This is not journalism. This is not a real event that is happening in the world, although, of course, it is. But it's a complete, it, it, it's a game. It's entertainment. They are, you know, it, it's not some alien civilization that has been discovered by the Starship Enterprise, and we have no, obli- we cannot interfere with the way they live their lives. Like, these are archetypes that have been cast and put into this house for our entertainment for the purposes of producing drama that we will find compelling. It is just like any other show, except that it is, it is, it is, as, it is, it is as show-run and as scripted, ultimately, um, as, um, as almost any other kind of show on TV. So they are putting this stuff out, the, out there in the culture, and they're responsible for it, whether it's being broadcast um, you know, on TV or whether it's being distributed through the internet. Big Brother is sort of this new model kind of entertainment experience where it transcends just that it's a, t- it's, it's a television show, but it's a, it's a transmedia entertainment that exists in various forms of, of, of media, and we consume it in various ways and all ways. So, you know, it, this isn't just this little kind of like flashpoint of outrageousness that is occurring somewhere in the corners of the internet, and you can ignore it if you want. I mean, it's, it's part of the larger narrative and and they're responsible for it so you know and they're 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 letting it go unchecked it's true now 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 racist people being racist putting racist ideas out there and they're not doing anything about it and i think that it's okay and permit we we should be really kind of concerned about this i think 
I think you're right. Now, here's here's something where uh, that for me kind of complicates the matter a little bit. So you know, like I, Jeff, I you know, cards on the table here. I am a coastal liberal raised in the hippie enclave that is Northern California. Now I live in the den of sin called New York City. I would love nothing more than to watch a version of Big Brother that is all you know very intelligent people, sort of like sitting around having philosophical discussions about Immanuel Kant before they go out and compete in elaborate cerebral competitions. And in in that version of the show, you know, you would find somebody like Helen, who is a political consultant. She is, you know, in her late 30s. She's a mom. She really has her head together so far, is kind of what I'm getting at. I mean, she seems like someone who, kind of to your point, you know, she's not... She's she she's not like someone who is like who's literally going to do everything she possibly can, even if it means losing her soul to get the five hundred thousand dollars. You know, she kind of had that great line during the competition on Sunday, like, "Hey guys, let's just have fun. It's Big Brother." As she's saying this, you're seeing other people in there who are just kind of like, literally, they, they seem like, "No, like this is like I am doing everything in my power. This is all I have. Like, you know, I'm going straight after it." Now, th- the issue is. As much as I definitely think I would far prefer to hang out with Helen ahead of almost anyone else in the house, do I want to see her in the show? Because bizarrely, other more extreme personalities do make better television in the context of Big Brother. And so I wonder if what we're seeing this season is almost sort of this this bizarre turning point where it's kind of like, you know, does does just the very makeup of reality TV need to evolve a little bit? Is, is it just not really capable of taking people who aren't awful and making them seem interesting? Like, it, it just seems like, it, it, it seems kind of sad if, if that is really the case now, that producers are only sort of chasing after the most crazy people and the, the, the very way the show is set up is to make you know, very nice people seem less interesting by comparison. <laughs> right. I mean, the, the producers first, the, their responsibility is to entertainment. And so, uh, our, you know, what makes these shows entertaining is drama. And you've got to cast for drama. I, 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 I got to think that um, the producers of Brig Brother are not looking to create like evil. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that probably this kind of drama you know, is as much distressing to them as it is an opportunity, Um, you know. But, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it it is somewhat sad but true to say that you can't necessarily cast for the best and brightest of America because you can't count on them on sleeping together for the cameras (laughs) (laughs) or getting into outrageous arguments about little things or being paranoid or cynical or, or manipulative or worried about whether or not they're going to hell for selling out an alliance. I'm sort of, I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm sort of imagining a version of, of Big Brother, Jeff, where everyone, it, like, like all the men are basically Woody Allen and all the women are basically Lena Dunham and it's just kind of overflowing in, you know, sort of urban anxiety nonstop. <laughs> And I, th- I think that would be the worst show in the history of shows. Right. It, 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 it would be a bad, boring show. And that brings us to the irony of the Aaron moment, because no sooner do I write my, you know, my essay and kind of like with all of my neurotic hand-wringing over the whole thing, but we get a really, in, you know, like my little, like, you know, high-mindedness and all, but we get a really entertaining hour of, show, of television mm-hmm. on... On, on, on Sunday, that does a very clever thing. 
they they acknowledge Aaron in all of her ingloriousness, and and um, and it coincides with her rise to power. Um, this young, like you know, uh, Hitler Hitleress, if you will. Yes, yes. <laughs> Rising to power. I certainly will. Banishing the you know the the uh, <laughs> the, the unwanted elements of society into the have-not room, and so that you know the white people can reign. Um, but I mean, and 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 what happens in the process is that we are seeing the blooming of an irresistible, totally entertaining reality show villain, mm-hmm. and um, this is kind of what I mean when we get these characters that we love to hate, but. Everything that's evil, genuinely evil about her and the world uh, and in real life has now been sort of absorbed into this sort of like character that she plays on the show, whether she's realizing it or not. Um, and it's affecting the way that we regard her and how we regard her is that we we love to hate her because she is genuinely hateable. And the show, for better or worse, and and I'm this is where I'm kind of really squeamish because it is kind of for worse like in terms of just what's good for society is the show is better and more interesting and more dramatic from an entertainment standpoint to see her reign, to see her be in charge. I want to see her be evil. I want to, I mean, I don't want her to be racist, but you know what? Like every time she is, it just feeds that, that, that that character. Well, well, and, 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 and we, we, we kind of want to see this play out for a little longer before she finally gets her comeuppance. Well, and I think you're right, Jeff. And, and you know, I, I, I want to say just kind of, you know, to support you a little bit, I do think there's maybe more at work here than just that kind of reality TV, um, that, that that sort of like kind of plastic sense of, of thrills and entertainment. You know, one thing I've always heard about Big Brother, at least in its, you know, globally, but definitely in its uh, British iteration, is that I believe over there, they still use the old model, only used once in the U.S., um, where people at home are voting people out, not people inside of the house. And so what that means, first of all, is the game changes a little bit, you know, like, it's, you know, I think think it would encourage people to call out other people because they aren't trying to get close people in the house, they're trying to kind of impress people at home. But what I've also heard is that in Britain, at least initially, there was a strong undercurrent of sociology to it, that, you know, you had these people who were very explicitly from different places all kind of coming together. You know, this is sort of very much what what the old real world model was, this idea of we're going we're gonna to bring in X, you know, vaguely defined stereotypical person from this part of the country, mix them together with Y person from this part of the country, and hopefully they'll learn something. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that the American Big Brother has like left that left that left that idea behind a long time ago. You know, I think as entertaining as I've kind of found it these last few seasons, it certainly is, you know, uh, a a curious combination of uh, you know a a Napoleonic uh, you know power struggle with a '90s Nickelodeon TV game show. What's interesting is I I, I sort of I sort of hope I, I, I hope that. You know, just because there was this sort of outcry and, and you know, because, uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite contestants, uh, Reagan, from a few seasons ago, actually kind of wrote the open letter to CBS that I, I think kind of got the ball rolling on this. I, I, I wonder if, you know, if, if weirdly enough, 
this this version of Big Brother will be able to touch on something interesting and honest in America. That you know, for lack of you know, for lack of a better way to say this, that there are people like Aaron who, even in this day of age, say horrifying things to people who you know, like make make horrible racist and and, and bigoted remarks, and think it's funny somehow to do that. I I, I wonder if either inside of the house or maybe just outside of it, there will be a chance for a conversation around it. Certainly, uh, I, I look forward to the day, hopefully soon, when Aaron walks out of the house, gets evicted, has to sit across from Julie Chen, and Julie Chen tells her, hey, by the way, Aaron, your modeling agency fired you because you're a horrible racist. But here you go, here you go. My, my, my two reactions to that are, one, I... Like, there is an argument and has been made by others and very well that CBS has an opportunity here and they're blowing it, you know. Um, they have an opportunity to sort of like, um, yeah, I mean, this is the obligation they have to show these people warts and all. Just They need to be honest. It would make for a more authentic sort of reality show, if you will. And it can um, spark a conversation. It can um, get us thinking and reflecting on issues of race and bigotry, casual or aggressive, hostile. You know, this is all very good, except that in order for that to be, you know, activated, weaponized, as Spencer may say, um, for the good, you got to have some kind of structured conversation around the show. Yep. You can't just, like, allow it to happen. Like, hey, or, like, we're providing the raw material for a good conversation. <laughs> Go have it at your book club. You know, like, you know it's like, that's not going to happen. I, I think that CBS has a responsibility to that. And I think that maybe in the live show, Julie Chen could facilitate something like that. And for that conversation to be really good and really valuable, it has to avoid something off the bat, although it, it can't it's it's well, it can't it, it has to avoid being punitive. Mm -hmm. You know, like mm -hmm. like you're, there's no way you're gonna get Aaron to contribute meaningfully to a conversation about being a racist if the first thing that you do right out of the house is hey, like, I didn't really appreciate what you said, and um, you lost your job. It's true. Nana, 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 and it's now true. audience throw eggs at her. You yep, know, like, yep. And, and I mean, but you know what? That that should happen anyway. <laughs> no, but no, but 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 you are totally right, though, Jeff. And it, it's funny because I I have to kind of check myself, even as I, as I said that it, it is. It, it, as as much as I find sort of what Aaron is saying and what the other what what some of the other contestants are saying kind of really repulsive, th there is a side of me that's kind of like you know the thing to do is not to totally demonize them and say those people equal evil because actually you know they're they're just stupid and we we should try to figure out a way to teach them not to think that way about uh, about people and and you you're right that the 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 impulse to egg throw right away is probably something we should avoid and that's the downside of all of this is sort of hating the haters do we become hateful people ourselves <laughs> But, but but maybe that's overly simplistic and an easy soundbite. What it does is that it it, 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 um, it retards our ability to have deep conversations that we actually need to have about this stuff, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only modality we have is to punish and purge, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, like, and, you know, they should be punished and purged, but it's, but, but. But, you know, that's, that's not going to well, – we, we sort of need to redeem the society, so how do we redeem it? Tough question. 
clearly no one knows how to do it because it hasn't happened yet. But but we we got it. You know, it just it's there. There are better ways to handle it. Um, I agree, Jeff. I I look forward to having more deep philosophical conversations with you about Big Brother throughout the season. I I, I do want to I do want to circle back to something a little bit less heavy uh, as we're sort of running low on time here. Right now, for you in the house. Who is the person you like the most, and who is the person you think is most seated to win, ultimately? Um, you know, uh, I'm, I kind of find myself rooting for the half-nots right now. Yep. I was really touched and, and intrigued on a gameplay level and on a values level of watching... Helen and Candace in the have-not room trapped and kind of despairing and kind of like basically uh, figuratively like banging their heads against the wall and trying to figure out what there is evil going on in this house. And and right. and and th- th- they actually seem to be figuring out the moving company, too. It was right. so interesting. <laughs> you were kind of shouting at the screen, you got it! <laughs> but you know what's interesting is that it, 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 it's correct, but it doesn't feel right. And what I loved about that moment is, is that what was tripping them up into buying into the moving company conspiracy theory is that the moving company is just flawed enough to produce legitimate wrinkles in their plan mm-hmm. that is actually working in their favor, i.e., like to, to sort of like, um, 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 you know, uh, like for example, they couldn't figure out McCray. It was like, is, is McCray part of it too? Like, like no, he can't be because um, he did this, that, and the other thing. Because McCray, as a member of his own conspiracy, played a horrible game. Mm-hmm. Like, and as as head of household, he was actually subverting some of their activity. But what the what the what they may or may not realize in retrospect is that he kind of did did them some favors in the sense of like. Um, I mean, it's a conspiracy, but it's a it's a really poor one, and 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 they're not always perfect, but things are sort of working out anyway for them, and it's working to their advantage because then it just makes you know the uh, people like uh, not suspected as much. So this is all to say, I find myself rooting for the people that are marginalized but are genuinely likable and trying to figure out and overcome evil. Mm-hmm. Um, I like those archetypes too. Uh-huh. <laughs> Helen, Candace, Andy, like they're trying to sort of work things out. Alyssa is winning me over. Person I hate the most. I mean, it's I mean it's easy, but I mean it's but it's 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 Aaron. Um, she's an amazing villain, and I. I, you know, I, I want to see her out of the house for the sake of society. For the, for the, for the sake of society. We, 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 we need to save our children's future here, Jeff. Uh, no, I, I really uh, agree with you. I, I think that, you know, it's, it's difficult to not feel a real uh, sympathy and a real hope for, uh, you know, for Helen, certainly for Candace, for Alyssa. Right now, I think Andy is sort of my default favorite uh, person in the house just because he's definitely kind of, uh, you know, won me over as far as he's, he's very perceptive, he's very funny. What I hope for them is... 
you know, the one thing that the moving company and the sort of Aaron uh, evil, uh, hot, e- e- evil, hot racist coalition has going for it is they, they have officially formed up. And the one thing is I don't get the sense that Andy, Candace, Alyssa, Helen, that these people have really realized that, you know, there is strength in numbers, that if they were to really come together right now as a voting block, they could be very powerful. I, I sort of hope that they'll unify in one way or another. Now, the, the person who I, I find myself thinking he might be the best seated to win, even though in many ways he's he's personality-wise, he's almost as repugnant as Aaron is, is Jeremy. I, I sort of thought this guy was a full-on meathead. He lives on a boat just like Sonny Crockett, and unlike Sonny Crockett, he's a douche. Um, but uh, he's he's great in competitions. He's kind of had three alliances just fall into his lap, mainly because he kind of just vibes like a competitor. You know, you, you almost kind of imagine that you know, you know, they say that there's some politicians that succeed just because you know they they, they look the way politicians are supposed to look. They kind of have a Kennedy-esque flair. This guy just. Clearly, everyone around him thinks that's a guy who's going places. And in his own kind of interesting way, he's another member of the moving company that seems to go off... um he seems to go off plan sort of whenever he wants to, you know, like he didn't vote out David the way that everybody else did. He pretty clearly is strongly a- aligning himself with Aaron now, nominally for the moving company, but you get the sense he could leave them behind. He seems like he might be someone who will go really far. The one thing is, all it's going to take is any of his alliances deciding that he's a loose cannon and voting him out. And yeah. I sort of hope that happens. I, I I sort of find myself really hoping that you know one of the one of the not evil people can go far this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, before we, we we close, I have to ask you on another topic altogether because um, you not only recap Big Brother for us, but you've been recapping Under the Dome, and we're now three episodes into the season. And um, we both uh, liked the pilot um, enough. Um, and uh, but when we talked about it on a previous podcast, we had only seen the pilot. It was the only episode that CBS gave out in advance. Now we've seen two more. And I got to be honest with you, because of just various assignments and stuff, I have not watched them. But mm-hmm. I have, I have definitely beheld the critical culture uh, turn on this show. Uh, and. Uh, um, even some people, as of after last night's episode, declaring this is we're recording this on Tuesday, folks. So um, um, declaring this morning that they're just they're out. The ratings remain somewhat strong, but it seems like they're doing enough wrong on the show to squander some of the uh, the, the, the 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 you know the what was good about yes this. yes how do you feel about this are, are, are you you know are you regretting this <laughs> you know i i am uh i jeff as you know i i regret nothing um no i that's that's just uh i i i'm catholic i i regret everything but i um I, it's it's tough you know there are a lot of things within the show that I like. First and foremost, Dean Norris is just great. I, I, I think he's really at that place now where it just seems like he can kill every scene. I can see what 
the showrunners are trying to do. But last night's episode, it was just bad. I mean, it was it was very slow. Uh, you kind of had, you know, this 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 this. It's maybe unfair to say, but as the show goes along, you can really see the CBS showing. You know, it's like whenever kids are on screen, they always sort of seem to talk in a way that you know, ninety year olds imagine kids talked in the early nineties. Uh, you know, the show can't quite seem to decide how serialized it is. Here's here's actually my comparison, Jeff. Uh, I, I remember um, another show that I really liked the pilot quite a bit that then very quickly went downhill was the show Last Resort. We talked a lot about this last fall, the submarine drama. The pilot, I watched it five times. I really enjoyed it. In hindsight, you know, in, 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 in hindsight, if that pilot had been half of a movie, I think that movie would have been one of the most fun movies of last year. I, the problem with Last Resort is also a problem with a lot of serial dramas in the last few years. I think Revolution might also be like this, although I, I kind of give up on that after the first episode. They seem to feel the need to give every episode a task. You know, there's always this clear mission. I, I, I remember Falling Skies when I was watching that show was also like this. Even though it's quote-unquote serialized, every episode, the first five minutes, there's a mission that'll be accomplished by the end. Under the Dome has that feeling a little bit. Every episode so far has been a single day. Last night's episode, you know, you saw one character saying, I'm going to go here and see if there's a way out. By the end, he had found out there wasn't. You had other characters searching for a guy. By the end, they had found him. And curiously, this sort of makes the show feel... It feels as boring as a typical procedural, but without uh, the real fun structure that you get with a procedural. You know, I mean, like as easy as it is to sort of like make fun of the repetition of a procedural, a good one is a great system. You know, think about early seasons of CSI or Bones or Castle, where you know you really have, or, or you know, Law and Order is the best example of this. You know, you, you you could set your clock to it, but there was a real pleasant structure to it. And when when you're doing the, the task-based serialized drama, it just feels a little bit like, you know, within the first five minutes, you know exactly where the episode is going, and then from there, you're kind of just marking off time in between. And I, I, I feel a little bit like, you know, the show wants to be a little bit more inventive than it is, and I, 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 I hope it gets there, but, you know, I, I definitely feel like, you know, Listen, this is a show that its ratings are strong enough. It'll certainly finish out the summer. It may, you know, CBS, you know, with lack of anything better to do, might already be greenlighting it for another go next summer. So there's time for it to come together, but it's 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 disappointing to see how quickly it sort of came down from a pretty decent pilot to just just a, a boring third episode. <laughs> like the show is struggling to have an imagination for what how this would really play out if something like this actually happened i think that's exactly the problem you know i it sort of feels to me and you know it's funny i i, I talked to brian k vaughn who had you know developed this show uh from the book into the tv show and you know he's he's clearly a guy who knows his stuff let's get that out, out of the bat right away he's he's written brilliant comic books you know there's there's a side of this show that feels a little bit like deadwood one of my favorite shows ever that 
feels a little bit like Lost, which Brian K. Vaughn wrote for Jeff. I, I, I think you might have written something about Lost at some point. Yeah, I, there's, there's, there's a lot. I, I, but but I, I do think that the main problem is um, you don't quite feel the town yet. You know, I, 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 to me, actually, the strongest comparison has always been to Battlestar Galactica, which is another sort of show that right from the outset, it, there was this sense of these people are all trapped together and resources might be an issue. And BSG could really make exciting drama out of, you know, we're, we're running low on water. We're, lo- we're running low on food. How does that immediately affect everything? And right now it's like, you know, you're three days in, this dome has settled down over a town. People seem okay with it, you know? Like, like people are still going to the diner and hanging out. Um, you, you know, there was, there was one sort of brief, funny, interesting idea in last night's episode where this one kid in town, the, the sort of main teenager... He had a generator in his house. His parents were out of town, so he immediately became the most popular guy in town. Everyone was coming over to recharge their iPhones and their iPads and their Microsoft product placement tablets. And then you had this sort of evil bully from school came over, and he started charging people for... um, uh, charging people to, to, to use the power. And it's like, you know, that's... That's the kind of thing that I think the show wants to do more. And then you have this whole other thread where it's like, you know, a policeman is going crazy and they have to hunt him down and it feels a little bit like a cheap action movie. And, you know, I I think that's where it feels to me a little bit like there's not enough... Just not enough inventiveness, you know. Like you've seen people hunting people through the forest before, and that's that sort of is my concern about it. Is that you know one of the things I loved about Under the Dome in book form by Stephen King, occasional EW contributor. He's also written a few, a few things besides his uh, EW pieces. Is the first hundred pages is just you're seeing every part of this town react to this dome. And, you know, it's such an incredible panorama. And, you know, clearly it's a TV show. It has to be different. But you don't, you don't quite feel every part of the town reacting to it yet. And I, I, I think that's something the show might honestly just be struggling with at, at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, you know, again, it's, it's, it, it's a blessing and a curse. This is a series that, you know, we know that there's going to be 13 episodes and, you know, there's talent involved, but I, you know, it's, it's tough, Jeff. At this point, I, I would say, you know, maybe, maybe wait and see on whether or not you catch up with this or not. <laughs> I'll definitely catch up with it, but just please, please know that I'm thinking of you as you are suffering through Under the Dome. Um, but just know that you will always, always have Aaron to look for. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I hope for. Um, Jeff, I think that about wraps up this very special episode about CBS shows where people are trapped places. Um, looking forward to discussing Big Brother with you more as the craziness goes on. Uh, and listeners, thank you for listening to us. As always, I was Darren Franich. And I'm Jeff Jensen. Have a good one.